This is a meeting of the San Francisco Port Commission for February 14th, 2023. Roll call vote. President Kimberly Brandon. Here. Commissioner Gail Gilman. Present. Commissioner Stephen Lee. Here. Great. The San Francisco Port Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Item number two is approval of the January 24th, 2023 Port Commission meeting. Minutes? So, so move. Second. We have a motion and a second. Jenica, can we have a roll call vote? President Brandon? Aye. Commissioner Gilman? Aye. Commissioner Lee. Aye. Motion passes unanimously. The minutes of the January 24th, 2003 meeting have been approved. Jenica, next item, please. Item number three is public comment on executive session. We will take public comment on executive session. Is there any public comment in the room? There is no public comment in the room. Thank you. Corey will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, the telephone queue will be opened for public comment on executive session. Please dial star three to, take, to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three to make public comment. And at this time, there is no one on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is closed. Jenica, next item, please. Item number four is executive session. There are three executive session items, two conferences with real property negotiator, and one discussion and possible action on pending litigation as agendized. Thank you. Can I have a motion to go into to close session? So moved. I'm, is there a second? Second. Thank you. Roll call, please. President Brandon? Yes. Commissioner Gilman? Yes. Commissioner Lee? Aye. Motion passes unanimously. We are now in closed session. Thank you, everyone.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. Thank you. Jenica, can we have a roll call vote, please? Oh, you're back yet. Uh-oh. Okay, can you hear me? Great. President Brandon. Here. Commissioner Gilman. <laughs> yes. Oh, and here. <laughs> Commissioner Lee. Here. Thank you. Motion passes unanimously. We are now in open session. Next item, please. Item six is the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge, I allegiance, pledge allegiance to, to the, flag the flag of the United States, United States, of, States of America. And to the, the republic, republic for which it stands, one, one nation, under God, Indivisible, indivisible with, with liberty, liberty and justice, justice for, all. for all. Next item, please. Item seven is announcements. I want to note that Vice President Adams is absent today. Please be advised that the ringing of and use of cell phones and similar sound producing electronic devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that a member of the public has up to three minutes to make public comments on each agenda item unless the Port Commission adopts a shorter period on any item. Public comment must be in respect to the current agenda item. The Commission will take in-person and remote public comment on each item, beginning with commenters in person. For remote public comment, please dial 1-415-655-0001 and enter access code 2491 183-6079 pound. During each public comment period, 
the moderator will instruct you to dial star 3 to be added to the queue for that particular item. And audio prompts will signal when it is your turn to speak. If you are watching this meeting on SFGov TV, there is a short broadcasting delay. To not miss your chance to comment, please dial when the item you want to comment on is announced. Mute your device and listen to the meeting from your telephone, which has no delay. For remote presenters and participants, please mute your microphones and turn off your cameras when you are not presenting. That brings us to item number eight, public comments on items not listed on the agenda. Thank you, Jenica. We will take public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Is there any public comment in the room? President Brandon, there is no public comment in the room. Thank you. Corey will now provide instructions for remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, the telephone queue will be opened for public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Please dial star three to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three to make public comment. And at this time, there is no one on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is closed. Jenica, next item, please. Item number 9A is the Executive Director's Report. Good afternoon, President Brandon, Commissioners, Port Staff, and members of the public. I'm Elaine Forbes, the Executive Director of the Port of San Francisco. First and foremost, happy Valentine's Day. I want to start my report with... Breed is a mayor who loves our waterfront. It was an honor to host her at beautiful Pier 70 Public Atrium last week for her State of the City Address. This is the second year in a row that the mayor has hosted her annual speech at the port. I think this is a testament to the incredible work we are doing uh, to ensure a safe, clean, equitable, and vibrant waterfront. And it that we play in the city's economic revival. In her speech, the mayor spoke about the resurgence of our economy, our downtown, and the demand to deliver the basics to keep our city and residents safe. She spoke about the challenges ahead and how we, as San Franciscans, have time and time again rolled up our sleeves to create a and thriving city again and again. She spoke about how Pier 70 and the waterfront rich history to rebuilding our city's future our port organization under the leadership of this commission has truly remained laser focused on our economic recovery and creating a waterfront that we're out of during these challenging times. And we have been reimagining what we can and should be. We have led the economic recovery and will continue to model how cities can recreate, reimagine, and come back I want to thank our maintenance division, real estate, and executive divisions for all the. City tenants um, who all prepared uh, for and supported the execution of a really wonderful State of the City event. Um, commissioners, thank you very much for your leadership on economic recovery. I look forward to Megan Wallace coming forward to speak with you in the spring about our programs, and we are all working together to support. 
Uh, now turning to equity, I'm excited to share that we are hosting the Port's sixth annual contract open house, and that will be Thursday, March 30th, and we are hosting it at Pier 27, our James R. Herman cruise ship terminal. This is a really uh, great event, and it has grown from a nascent idea six years ago to a really, really valuable convening. I know President Brandon will remember our first year and many of our subsequent years. I'm really proud of staff for building up this event uh, to be so spectacular. This annual event is an contractors and businesses to network and learn about technical support and other resources. Uh, business office uh, from the Northern California Procurement Technical Assistance Center, uh, NORPAC, NORCAL PTAC, uh, from Meriwether and Williams, and other technical service providers to partner with the city and county of San Francisco. I want to um, um, thank Tiffany Tatum, our um, Port Senior Community Development Specialist. This year she's put together the event, uh, has been the point person, and we have a very interesting panel and a keynote, speak, uh, keynote speaker, Joaquin Torres, the city's assessor recorder. Uh, thank you both to President Brandon and Tiffany for the vision and leadership uh, to make uh, the contractors that do business with the port um, uh, really front and center in our equity program. Looking to resilience, uh, we look forward to making sure that our local uh, small and micro businesses and contractors Embarcadero Seawall, this is a huge opportunity, and that our and that we are partners in long-term and multi-generational resilience work. We have been busy uh, with the public on the work. This Thursday, uh, February 16th, the port will host students from Philip and Sala Burton High School in the Bayview community on a field trip to, to the port. Um, the students will be engaged in sea level rise adaptation and coastal resilience activities. Um, we will play of hazards, uh, which has been, a, uh, uh, we've used throughout the community process. Uh, so the students earthquake and flood risk to the waterfront, and then they participate in visioning and sea level rise mapping. Um, we're excited uh, to host uh, and to connect with the students. Now turning to key projects, uh, we have several to share. Uh, first and foremost, I have good news on the Mission Bay Ferry Terminal funding. All remember that our project included uh, uh, $25 million from RM3 funding. This was approved in 2018, but has been held up in the courts as it was challenged by the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. It appears that the courts have settled this claim in favor of the voters and RM3, and this is just a great news for great news for our project. It's um, a project that really will be working closely with WIDA and the city to have a complete budget to deliver the project. We're also preparing to sell two historic floating dry docks at Pier 70, uh, Dry Dock 2, and the Eureka Dry Dock will be up for purchase. This is part of our business plan to transition the shipyard to a mix of maritime uses. Anticipated next month, both dry docks were previously operated for years and years by BAE Systems until it closed in 2017. The Eureka Drive dock was built in 1945 and was operated at the Naval Station in San Diego before the port attained it in 1998. Dry Dock 2 was built at the Pier 70 in 1970. As I said, this is a part, part of our longer term strategy to reimagine our shipyard area 
to create equitable and economically sustainable area um, that you to drive our success. And more progress on Mission Rock uh, development. Last month, the project received a temporary certi certification of occupancy, certifi certificate of occupancy, TCO, uh, for its first building, Parcel G, which is the future headquarters of Visa. The project team is excited to welcome Visa, who we expect to begin occupying the building later this year. Additionally, the project team expects additional TCOs later this spring for Parcel B, which will be the future home of a life sciences tenant, and for Parcel A, the first residential development in the project, which will include 254 apartments, of which 100 below market rate units. Uh, congratulations uh, to all of us. Um, we are so excited that its first residence this summer. Last Tuesday, the Board of Supervisors unanimously approved the port's water purchase agreement, which you saw. And of course, this is a pillar of the Mission Rock Sustainability Program. This agreement allows us to purchase water that is treated on site from the existing water sources for the port's non-potable uses, such as irrigation of China Basin Park. Uh, we're excited that that agreement was approved um, and that we can achieve our water conservation goals. To the write-off policy, Commissioners, consistent with the write-off policy adopted per pursuant to Resolution 2211, report summarizing one recommend recommended write-off account, and you have 30 days to review before we process. If any of you have concerns, um, please contact me within 30 days, and we will schedule a future commission item on the matter. In closing, I'd like to share some exciting news. Uh, this past week, we welcomed our new communications director uh, to our small but mighty team. I'm proud to appoint Justin Burton to my leadership team to transparent. Work in the executive division, champion communications, legislative affairs, and the diversity, equity, and inclusion program for our organizational effectiveness. Justin comes to the port with a lot of experience in regional strategic communications, having served five years as the director of communications to Oakland's mayor, Libby Shaft. He was also a reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle from 2006 to 2013, before he served as communications director to Mayor Shaft. He's a graduate of San Francisco State University. He lives in the Bay Area with his family, and he takes the ferry, and he loves to do so uh, with his two daughters. Please join me in, in providing a warm, warm, warm welcome to Justin. And I'd also like to take a moment to recognize Boris Delapine, who served as acting director of communications for several months after Randy uh, left for the district attorney. He did such a great job, and we thank him for his service. And now he's returning full time to look for funding for us in his legislative affairs manager role. And he will continue to be laser focused on our funding opportunities. Thank you. And that concludes my report. Thank you, Elaine. Great report. Now we will take public comment. Is there public comment in the room? President Brandon, there is no public comment in the room. Thank you, Jenica. Corey will now provide instructions for our remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, the telephone queue <clears throat> will be open for public comment on the executive director's report. Please dial star three to make public comment.
The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three to make public comment. And at this time, there is no one on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is closed. Commissioner Lee. Commissioner Lee, I think you're on mute. <laughs> oh, I hate these things sometimes. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, hey, a great report. We're moving forward exactly where you know we're going to be. It's very encouraging. Um, I don't have any other comments than uh, you know just looking for, forward to more con uh, uh, more movement forward and more economic recovery. Um, I think. Uh, as we go along, we'll find out there's going to be more challenges and more maneuvers, but I'm ready for the challenge for that. So good job, Elaine and Director Forbes and the rest of the staff. Thank you. Commissioner Gilman. Um, Director Forbes, thank you for that report. Um, Justin, I want to welcome you to the team um, here at the port. I don't know if you're in the hearing room or, or watching us remotely. Um, and um, Director Forbes, I had two things uh, moving forward through your report that I would like to put on for, for future items. Um, one of them being is I would love to have a interdepartmental briefing on the rent up of the first residential building at Mission Rock. Um, with such a high affordability um, and someone who knows the affordable housing um, rent up procedure as well, um, they can be complicated. And I know once we reach TCO, we have a time frame to be successful in rent up um, so we don't jeopardize our um, LP agreements or Mission Rock does not or the, um, um, if they used any tax credits. So I'd like to see um, a briefing from MOHCD about how we will be successful in renting up these units on time, particularly since they go up to 120% of AMI. Uh, and then on economic recovery, um, I just um, am hoping too that we can um, look at all of our risk mitigations um, as an organization from insurance to safety protocols, et cetera. This could be a later informational item just to make sure we're doing everything we can to mitigate our own risk and exposure as we enter these times of economic recovery where every penny counts. Um, thank you for a great report and for centering equity as you always do. Thank you. Uh, Elaine, thank you so much. It was a great report, full of great items, and I think it's a testament to the work that you and the, the team are doing to have the mayor have her second state of the city at the port and the waterfront, just to see all the great work along the waterfront. I, I think that's phenomenal. And it's so hard to believe that uh, we're having our sixth annual contract open house, and it's grown from you know, our, our small conference room to the cruise terminal. Th that is historic and that is wonderful. And I would again want to thank you and your team and, and Tiffany for s making that growth happen and making it so much a part of the way we do business. I think it's, uh, I think it's great that the Mission Bay Ferry funds have been released almost, because <laughs> uh, that that's going to be such a great project and I'm going to add to bringing more visitors to the waterfront. So I think that's wonderful. 
Um, I think it's so exciting to see Mission Bay, just the community that, that is being created there, and to see the buildings occupied will just be so exciting. Um, so I think that's great, and they have just done a phenomenal job and been a great, you know, partner on that site in all ways. They're just, I just really want to congratulate the, the entire Mission Rock team and the Port team for guiding and helping them to become a reality. Uh, I want to welcome Justin. I can't wait to meet him. And he's a San Francisco State alum, so I know we're going to get together really well, as we all are. <laughs> That's right, Commissioner Lee, Commissioner Gilman, we're all alumni. So Justin's going to fit right in. And, and I definitely want to thank Boris for all the time that he's put into um, that role, waiting for Justin to arrive. <laughs> thank you, Elaine. Great report. Jenica, next item, please. Item 10 is the consent calendar. 10A requests approval of a resolution adopting findings under state urgency legislation to allow certain members of this body to attend meetings remotely during the COVID-19 emergency. That's resolution 2306. And item 10B is a resolution recommending the Board of Supervisors resolve and settle Birchall et al. versus City and County of San Francisco, San Francisco Superior Court case number CGC 20588665 in the amount of $6,200,000. That's resolution 2307. Thank you, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I make a motion um, to approve the consent calendar. Thank you. I second it. Thank you. We have a motion and a second. Jenica, can we have, oh, we will take public comment. We will now open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? President Brandon, there is no public comment in the room. Corey will now provide instructions for our remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, the telephone queue will be opened for public comment on the consent calendar. Please dial star three to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three to make public comment. And at this time, there is no one on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is closed. We have a motion and a second. Jenica, can we have a roll call vote, please? Yes. President Brandon? Yes. Commissioner Gilman? Yes. Commissioner Lee? Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Resolutions 2306 and 2307 are adopted. Jenica, next item, please. Item 11A is the authorization to offer tenant improvement allowances and request that the Board of Supervisors waive Administrative Code Chapter 6 for certain port leases to facilitate the port's use of up to $20 million on tenant improvements to spur economic recovery and revenue generation. That's resolution 2308. 
Thank you so much, Jenica. Hello, commissioners. Rebecca Benestini, your deputy director for real estate and development. Nice to be with you. And I'm here to talk with you about contracting, economic recovery, tenant generation. Um, I will start with the next slide. Or could I have the next slide, please? Thank you so much. So the item before you is a waiver, a limited waiver of parts of the administrative code, chapter six. Uh, we, the impetus for this item is that we are looking around at our property and we need improvements. I'll talk a little bit more about how we have limited staff. Our staff are, are at a, almost full capacity now trying to process different improvements. Also the improvements I wanna talk to you about, we think are better um, executed by our tenants because they'll need to suit the types of improvements to their um, particular need for operations. Also, we think this item will make our leasing more equitable and resilient to economic recovery because we're gonna reduce a barrier, a capital barrier to um, leasing some of our property. I'll take you through some of the chapter six public contracting rules very briefly. Um, these rules, we think, if we impose them on our tenants, will make the tool of um, our economic recovery stimulus dollars less effective because these rules are very unique to public contracting. It would be costly and inefficient for private business to attempt to learn the rules and conform to the rules. I liken it to having our tenants try to use like our DHR hiring process. It would be very difficult for them to learn how to use um, and it's just not in their bailiwick to, um, to be accountable to the administrative code rules. So more as we go through the item, but that's sort of the broad brush of what the impetus is for this item. Next slide, please. So as background, you all are very aware now of the types of vacancies we have up and down the waterfront. We have a much more retail vacancy than we have, in the, have had in the past. When we did our parameter rate reset last summer, we talked a little bit about seeing inklings of more office vacancy. Some of our office tenants have reduced their foot footprint. Um, and we also have had sort of lingering shed storage types of vacancies. Uh, we do also have an economic recovery budget. You all are very aware that one of um, Boris's and others um, crowning jewels was that we have stimulus funding that's really helped us kind of get through the difficult budget times. And we have this economic recovery budget that we want to invest in our, in kind of shoring up our economic future and our recovery. We're also facing a more risky retail market. We think without these changes, we won't be able to um, have our tenants come to the table without a lot of upfront capital, as I noted in this bullet, and our sort of long leasing process combined with the upfront capital needs are really difficult for BIPOC and small local businesses to compete for our tenancies. I wanna just note the quick map that I had shown in your staff report. These are existing vacancies or closed businesses. So the darker colored dots, um, items one through four, Aliotos, 490 Jefferson, Pier 33 and a half, Ferry Plaza East building, those we control, those are vacant and we control those properties. The other four listed here are closed properties that haven't been operating uh, since COVID. So you can see sort of the various locations of these retail vacancies. Next slide, please. A bit about um, chapter six. 
which are, our staff are very familiar with these when we do our own engineering um, projects led by our engineering team, we follow these rules. You'll, you will probably be aware having approved some of those contracts that there are sort of specific rules on how we advertise, what bid documents and what the requirements are for bidders, what kind of protest provisions there are that bidders can avail themselves of, their requirements for the contract, particular provisions that need to be included in a construction contract. And then there are sort of really city specific items, like for example, we need to consult with Department of Environment um, and we need to report regarding recycled materials or other sorts of really particular kind of city provisions. Next slide, please. So our rationale and sort of the key reasons we're wishing to provide a limited rate waiver from chapter six in the certain circumstances I'm gonna um, kind of focus on in the next slide are first, we think it's competitive in order to offer tenants um, a tenant improvement allowance. We don't do this very frequently, but we know it would make us more competitive in the marketplace. It's typical for landlords to offer restaurant, retail, sort of businesses that need to fit out their space to suit their needs. It's typical for them to offer uh, a tenant improvement allowance. As I mentioned earlier, we think it'll reduce barriers for smaller businesses. They won't need as much upfront capital. It's good for us. It'll allow us to charge um, market rent um, without the TI allowance will typically give a, a rent credit or something of, of that nature if the tenant um, is going to invest to suit out the, the space for their own needs. We think it's efficient. The tenant is going to be better than we are <laughs> at determining what sorts of um, operational improvements will, will suit their needs. We do want to make sure that the project is delivered. So we've been talking with our attorneys about making sure that we have the appropriate lease remedies, that if we do provide a tenant improvement allowance in a lease, then those improvements will be delivered. So that's something we're cognizant of that would be a change for us. Um, we think that this will increase the volume of projects on port property. We only have our, our own limited project management staff. And if we're able to offer this sort of investment directly to our tenants, uh, then they can, we think, increase our, our sort of bandwidth in terms of improvements to property. Next slide, please. So just to take you through an example, and then I'll really focus on what we're doing today versus what comes in the future. Um, what the flow chart shows is sort of the how we would go through the implementation, and then I'll talk for a moment about the example locations. Uh, if we're applying this to our retail opportunities, I'll talk a little bit more about how we could apply it in other cases. Um, but presuming we're applying it to our solicitation, broker managed or staff led RFP, we would include the opportunity for a tenant allowance in that solicitation so potential respondents are clear that um, this is available and then they can kind of suit their proposal um, assuming that. The tenants would provide their concept, how much of a TI allowance they think is needed. Ideally, they're proposing rent with or without the benefit of the TI allowance and we would see a higher rent if we were able to invest by giving them that TI allowance. The port commission would select the tenant, the port commission and the board would approve a lease and then the port would be able to use some of our stimulus dollars um, out, you know, that are kind of earmarked or uh, budgeted for tenant improvement allowances directly to that tenant at, at various milestones in the lease, early in the lease, and then they would execute on the project and no chapter six rules would apply. The tenant would then pay their, you know, full rent as negotiated under the lease. So that's how the implementation would work. The example locations I've shown above are our retail locations that we think 
um, will need um, quite a bit of investment in order to get them back up and running. Those are the example locations. In some of my previous slides, I showed some office spaces that need some work. Those um, we think are not as great of candidates because our project management team, I think earlier in your agenda, you all approved um, or you are, are we're contemplating roundhouse improvements to our office space. The office space, we want to make it watertight, have carpet, paint, you know, fix windows. We sort of know how to do those projects and those are easier for us to deploy with our own um, dollars. What we're really focused on here are tenant, uh, a portion of our stimulus dollars that we think that tenants would really benefit from having and it would make them more competitive um, in terms of competing against one another through the solicitation process. So we're really focused in this realm, likely on retail, um, but you'll see in your resolution, we haven't limited it only to retail. This just kind of provides what our thoughts are in terms of potential deployment. Next slide, please. So the resolution before you is a limited waiver of chapter six rules. I wanna be clear, um, prevailing wage, local hire, other provisions in our lease still remain the same and those are in place. So the resolution recommends that the board waive chapter six rules when the port provides tenant improvement allowance and the waiver would only apply in these circumstances. So first, only lease or lease amendments that the port commission and the board approve. So that's a big limiting factor. Second, it would be for property improvements that spur economic recovery, generate additional rents to port. That's where we would really give in the lease improvement uh, action item, that kind of rationale. And we would have cumulatively no more than $20 million. We've looked at our various stimulus fund budgets, and this is really the outside dollar value we would propose um, allocating to tenant improvement allowance. Other parts of the budget are going for other sorts of economic recovery and resilience types of measures. So that's the resolution we have uh, for you today. Um, I'd love to take questions and I have other members of the team here available if needed. Um, I wanna just recognize many members of the, of the contracting and economic recovery and real estate team did help me prepare this item. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rebecca. Great report. Commissioners, can I have a motion? I make a motion to move the item. Is there a second? I think. Sorry. Second. <laughs> Thank you. Now let's open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? President Brandon, there is no public comment in the room. Thank you. Corey will now pr provide instructions for our remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, the telephone queue will be open for public comment on item 11A. Please dial star three to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three to make public comment. At this time, it does not appear that there is anyone on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is closed. Commissioner Gilman. Um, Rebecca, thank you for your report. Um, I have a couple of um, questions, but before I start them, I, I do want to say that I'm generally very supportive of this item for, for a couple of reasons. One, 
um, you know, these properties um, will need um, a lot of improvement. They're, they're not walk-in ready. And as someone who's been on the commission now, um, going into my fifth, and I guess like my sixth calendar year on the commission, and someone who saw um, the, um, the butterfly space come before us that, need, that did not need that many tenant improvements and all the work we did towards that and then to have that deal fall apart is one why I support the direct leasing pilot with parameters and guidelines. Um, and I support this because I've seen when there's been these kinds of exceptions or allowances in, in a similar space, in the affordable housing space with city dollars, where they put aside a small portion of pre-development that can be used this way, that can be used um, without having to layer on all the Chapter 6 requirements, how it can spur and speed up the process. So I support that. Um, you said that all of the local hire provisions would be in place. Would that also include the LBE and contracting provisions, or would that not be in place? Can you just clarify that for me? I didn't understand yes, that from sure the staff can. report. Yep. So the prevailing wage is in place. The local hire is in place. The LBE requirement does is not part would not be part of this and is not typically part of leases. It sort of comes about when a project breaches. And I'm not sure. And I'm sorry. I should have I've talked to Elizabeth about this before. If it's a certain threshold, um, but typically it's the the LBE doesn't apply to tenant improvements. Okay. Um, and I also like the fact that we're do, we're putting it in on the front end and and not on the back end with the, with the rent credits, which we've seen other leases or people slow the slog of them doing their tenant improvements where it's stretched out the payments where we're really not receiving um, base rent payments from folks because of of the credit we're only receiving participation. So that also I found was attractive to me. One thing we might want to think of since folks to use this money won't be putting out to bid their engineering or their architecture or their, or, um, sorry, or the contracting is, I wonder if we want to provide an incentive um, in the structure of the lease that if they were to use an LBE contractor off of um, the um, our contracting sort of mailing list, that they could receive some sort of bonus or some sort of incentive to engage them. It's just a thought. I don't want to slow down this item for that thought. But if I'm going to bring in a contractor, um, I'm just making this up, um, you know, um, in, instead of bringing in my buddy, John, who lives across the street from me, who's never done commercial stuff, who's like fixes my kitchen, I'm a small business person, maybe if I use one of our contractors off the list, I get a 5% bonus on extra funds I could use, or I get um, a very small um, 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 rent credit in my first year. Just maybe something to also make sure the work is professional. That's the only other thing I want to flag. If folks aren't going through a bidding process for their TIs, I've seen folks use um, contractors that don't have commercial expertise. So I just want to safeguard against that too. Those are just my comments, but I'm supportive to move the item forward today. Thank you. Commissioner Lee? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I have a, a, a bunch of things. Um, out of the $20 million, uh, how much do you think is going to be allocated to the uh, tenant improvement? And, um, well, I got, we'll go, I guess, question at a time. Uh, is it going to be based on severity? Like, you know, there's going to be some buildings that are really obsolete, especially some of these Aliodo, you know, some of these older Italian restaurants. 
that haven't been remodeled in 30 years, you know, they're probably going to have to tear everything out and start over. But this 20, this $20 million or, or slash of it, it's not going to go for finish work, right? It's going to be more for if they need upgrades to their fire sprinklers, if they need a uh, handicap ADA based on current code, uh, things like that. Is that strictly for what this money is for? Because I don't want them to put in a new stove with this money, you know, you know, things like that are, or as part of that situation, you know. So let me start that. that is, let me start at the beginning so I don't forget the first one. So the first one is how much. We are talking right now with our first um, broker contract on Pier 33 and a half. And we're thinking in the lower range for the tenant improvement budget per square foot because that space doesn't need quite as much work as others. So definitely we want to scale the dollar value to have the minimum amount that would help make the space more competitive. And on your second point, we definitely talked about that and we view the lease negotiation in our previous lease negotiations, we segment the budget into core and shell work, code, you know, code upgrades, as you were saying, the ADA is a major issue in some of the locations, and then everything else, everything else is sort of the tenant's budget and sort of to meet their needs and desires. We will be really clear when we're negotiating the lease that that, based on your all's direction when we come for selection of a tenant, we would envision sort of the tenant having the term sheet and that would be estimate of, you know, core and shell improvements, sort of quote unquote landlord items that we would have invested in ourselves if we had the time and the bandwidth to do so. And then the other items we wouldn't want to get in that sort of a business. I think we wouldn't see the return on that sort of investment in the tenant side of the ledger. So I think as we come forward with one tenant after another, you'll see that momentum I think built as to how we, spread these dollars as far as they can go. I think we, we need to have, like you said, your little term sheet. There, I think we need to have some policies or standard that, you know, first tenant improvements have to go into, you know, I mean, I know that some of these older leases were supposed to be infrastructure that never got done, but we don't want to get back into those situations again, but at least like fire sprinklers and and uh, ADA issues, because even if the tenant left, those items would be finished and ready for the next tenant. So, uh, so I wanna make sure that uh, whether we grade the buildings, whether you want me to help you go in there and, and, and see what might be missing and maybe this is considered more of the top where we have to spend more money or this one is move-in ready, I'm mean, well, uh, willing to do that. Um, but I think in the future, uh, because renting multiple businesses in the past, you know, when I have to let do less, spend less money on stuff behind the walls, and I could spend more money in the front where the customers can see it, there's there's more value. I'd rather pay more rent because I could get in faster, you know? So instead of waiting for months for fire sprinklers to get passed. So I think that's important. Um, let's see. Uh, are you gonna still offer free rent? I mean, while they're doing their effort, you know, their finished work, or they're going to pay the market rate right away since we're going to be offering uh, the tenant improvements. I think that's all for negotiation, and we'll we would love to have more guidance from you. And we we do tours quite a lot these days, so I'd love to take you on some of the tours and get your advice on that. But we're sort of taking our cue from some of our, our broker insights as they're starting to take tenants around as well. So definitely all for negotiation and you know 
the push and pull of what we want versus what they want. The behind the wall versus in front of the wall, that's the push pull. And then the when they start paying rent. Absolutely. And right. I just, yeah. I just wanted okay. to add, um, I just wanted to add oh. if it's if it's I just to support this concept. One of the things we're looking for, and this is such a good conversation about how to size the tenant improvements and where the dollars should go behind the wall or in front of the wall. One of the things we're looking at is really de-risking retail right now and getting to some BIPOC-owned businesses, um, some really great talent here in the city that might not have the equity to put into big TI work, and we're we're going to be very careful. The team is going to look at improvements we want to own as a port organization with this tenant or future tenants. But we really appreciate the feedback. And just to say that we're also looking at it as a de-risk strategy and a way to bring in new vibrant tenancies that we haven't seen in the past uh, with our old model. Right. No, it's a good, it's a good motivation, especially nowadays. You know, people don't have the capital or they're scared and they're Actually, some of them like to enter in shorter leases, so they're not on the hook, right, because of the uncertainty. Um, my last question is, um, there are construction bonds, you know, to guarantee that the work is finished and possibility that the tenant could buy these or pay the, the uh, whatever, the terms on these construction bonds to make sure that these projects are finished. So maybe that's another option as part of the you know your little check off your term sheet as a possibility um you know for something that might be you know pretty major and they just don't have the money for it um so those are those are my suggestions i i, I mean this is a very positive thing for growth because that's what we're all looking for right now when we move into these two spaces is how much is already there so we can actually spend more money on promotion and and once we get open, instead of, you know, stuff that you don't even see, you know, I, I constantly get into that all the time. So this is a good thing. I think we just have to move on the term sheet of what we really want that's going to be easy for them, but the long term for the port, you know, so if they do move out, we don't have to deal with that anymore. So, so that's my comments. I, I support the issue. Thank you, uh, Rebecca. Thank you so much for the presentation. And uh, Commissioner Lee and Commissioner Gilman had great questions, some of which were mine that, that have been answered. But what, what I'm still unclear of is the, the prior, prioritization and strategy for the use of funds and how we're going to how the funds are going to be distributed and who, you know, is it first come, first serve? Is it you know, one property over the other, and and it and uh, and it. I think today you said that you may limit it to retail, but you may not. So I don't know. And so just understanding what's the pool, what's the strategy, and how are we prioritizing that? Thank you. We're focused right now at our locations that are vacant and are attracting vandalism. I mean, that's something. So, so our own costs at maintaining a vacant location are definitely a core question. Another is sort of the economic recovery. If more than one vacancy in a location is creating a condition that looks 
really, really unattractive. So that's sort of one focus. And then the economic recovery bent of it is, do we think with a little bit of investment, we could actually get a lot of potential bang for the buck? I think the other lens I have and why I'm a little trepidatious about saying it's only going to be retail is we have a lot of space in our sheds and we don't quite know if if there might be an opportunity in the future to do sort of more of a light industrial kind of a use that might make sense with better ingress egress or improvements in the sheds that I just haven't thought of that would really benefit from a tenant improvement dollar if the an entity came forward with the right kind of rent proposal to activate a big part of a shed that is vacant or has been vacant. Um, so I think we're focused on the areas that have been vacant for a while that are attracting, you know, making us spend quite a money, quite a lot of money on on maintenance costs and responding to vandalism. And we're focused on those opportunities that we think could generate returns on the dollar for the investment in the tenant allowance. And then after that, after those first couple that we that are vacant right now, I'm not sure what the future, what, what will come, but I think it's a great opportunity with this waiver because we'll have to track everything cumulatively. So each new lease that comes forward with a tenant improvement allowance, you can look back on you know three leases with this much dollars, this is the next one. And then you can have that kind of sight line with each lease that comes forward as to how much money is remaining and where we've been spending the money so far. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I want to approve the waiver, but I really want to understand the strategy before dollars are deployed, because I don't think it should just be okay. Well, this building might use fifty percent of it, or this bu building may use twenty-five percent. It's what. What do, what buildings do we want to invest in that we think are going to bring the most economic recovery or bring the, the most people to the waterfront? There has to be some strategy for deploying these funds. And I know we have properties across the waterfront, not just the northern waterfront. We have them in the southern waterfront also. And so there has to be some strategy of how we want. I think this is a great program. And I think if it's extremely successful, hopefully we'll be able to find more economic recovery funds. But right now we only have 20 million. And I, I think to start out, we're only gonna use eight or so, from what I understand. <laughs> so really wanna understand the vision for deploying the funds prior, prior to at least coming to the commission. Understood, and I, I think the full universe is not just this amount of funds. There are other grant funding. There's other funds out there that we're looking at to help improve infrastructure and roads and sort of public spaces. So I totally agree. Like having that broader look of property improve, you know, property improvement programs. That the tenant improvement allowance is like one slip, one one piece of that. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to volunteer other people's items, so I, I, I assume we'll take this back and talk about I wasn't asking for a strategy for the entire waterfront. I was asking for a strategy for these particular funds prior yeah. to them being deployed. And sorry, sorry to interrupt, but we can vote on the waiver today, and then you still bring it back item by item for approval. So I think but I'm also hearing President Brandon Right. right, right. They're 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 going to bring each item back for approval, but the first item may be ten million, the second what? item may be 
four million, and then we still have six properties that right. don't have. So I'm I'm trying. I'm personally just trying to understand the prioritization and the strategy for the use of funds. Yeah, I guess I was going to suggest that before we even approve one dollar after we approve the waiver, I would love to see a, a strategy plan, whether it's a per square foot. Because the other thing I don't want to see happen too is, let's just say, um, you know, not all of these spaces are on our direct lease program pilot either. So I guess I don't want to see someone who is maybe a larger entity or a more sophisticated entity be able to jump on the lease, get it executed with us, and they spend 75% of our pot and then we have smaller, um, more community-based um, folks come forward eventually, and we've run out of funds. So I guess I'd, I think I guess what I'm saying is before I would feel comfortable allocating funds. I think that strategy that President Brandon's talking about would need to be presented to us. But I don't think it should hold up processing the waiver. Well, I think I think uh, we got to have some some kind of criteria, you know. Otherwise, you're going to spend all the money up. Before the, the the sixth property down the road, and and said we we ran out of money already. I mean, there, there's got to be a limit of how much each property is going to get. You know, that's why I'm saying if we stick to sprinklers or we stick to ADA issues, those things don't go away, and it's going to be with every tenant that we get. So I mean, that should be number one priority. But how much does it cost to fix up that building, and if we're willing to back them to get them in? So. I agree, you know, it, you guys could spend all the money on one project, you know, literally then spreading it out between eight properties. I think I think one of the key um, items is that these are based on opportunities and matching our property opportunities to a potential tenant or a lease extension. So the opportunity itself will help define the strategy in some ways. I know Becca, Rebecca and her team will think through strategy, more strategy than has been presented today, which was strategy as well, um, but, but more defined um, parameters and figuring out how to hit equity and how to not run out of the money up front. And so we'll be thinking about that. But a lot of this really is that match that is going to define better, you know, where our parameters are, but we definitely will be thinking about this and appreciate the direction. I, I got one, one, I mean, it might be, it's a little, is it okay I speak? Sure, yeah. Uh, we thought, do we, if we had one pier like in the South, you know, dog batch or further, that's kind of been empty. Do we get any kind of extra credit or funding if we put like a, a storage space for nonprofits who lost their warehouse spaces because so much housing is being built and people are selling their warehouses. A lot of the nonprofits have lost their storage, like the uh, San Francisco Tyco Drubbers. They lost their space in South San Francisco. They're looking for space. Is there a possibility of, of you know, some getting some nonprofit credit or extra grants to help improve those sheds? that we wouldn't use anyway because they're so far south. But at least when they're occupied, we'll have less vandalism, we'll have less security issues. At the same time, we're helping the community. Is, is, there, is there any future possibility and possibly using some of this uh, infrastructure stuff? You know, I'm just, that's just a question. I'm... 
I'm yeah, still I can new. answer. Yeah, definitely. When we have tenants who we think would have really strong grant opportunities, the one good thing about being a city department is we kind of are aware of them a little bit more on the front foot. So we direct our tenants, like, go apply to OEWD. We think you'd be a good recipient for that kind of a grant. And But they have to go get the grant, and then they just lease our property just like we would normally lease to to other folks. Um, so we we aren't we don't get the grant and then give it to the tenant ourselves. That's sort of the main but, difference. What, what? As a, what if we split up a shed into six spaces and there were six nonprofits, like maybe the Chinese Chamber wanted to take a space or because, you know, a lot of people can't afford the whole shed. It's so big. Right. But, you know, Tyco drummers can have one space or uh, Chinese Chamber have a space and then it's kind of a co-op space and we're not using the shed anyway. Uh, I, I'm just wondering if there's something in the future we can think about. And it's, it's definitely a great thing for uh, Elaine to put on new business so yeah. that we can look at that in the future, how we can support our nonprofits. That'd be great. So, Re Rebecca, thank you so much again for this presentation. And so I think, so I guess, I guess we're ready to vote, huh? If there's no more discussion. So, Jenica, can we have a roll call vote? Yes. President Brandon? Yes. Commissioner Gilman? Yes. Commissioner Lee? Aye. Resolution 2308 is adopted. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank Jenica, you. Item, please. Item 12A is an informational presentation on the proposed fiscal year 2023-24 supplemental appropriation to fund operations of certain Mission Bay parks and approve a Proposition J contract for maintenance of non-standard improvements at Mission Rock and Pier 70. Hi, Commissioners. Uh, Nate Cruz. I'm the Acting Deputy Director of Finance and Administration. I'm joined here this afternoon with David Beaupre and Rebecca Benassini to present to you this fiscal year 2023 and 24 supplemental appropriation. Uh, just as a reminder, about this time last year, uh, the Port Commission approved our biennial budget for fiscal 22-23-23-24. What this is is simply an adjustment to the second year of that two-year budget window. And uh, it's basically the result of some good news. Next slide, please. So what has happened since we prepared the, the, that two-year budget is we've brought online some, some great new public improvements some amenities that add to our Blue Greenway. Uh, that is specifically the Mission Bay Parks and some improvements in uh, Mission Rock as well as the Pier 70 developments. And so from here, uh, I'm going to hand it off to my colleague David uh, to present the Mission Bay Parks component. It'll come back to me for some more financial aspects. And then we'll, and then Rebecca will talk a little bit about the uh, Prop J contract. So David, why don't you take it from here? Thanks, Nate. Uh, good afternoon, President Brandon, Commissioners Gilman and Lee. I'm David Beaupre, Deputy Director of Planning and Environment. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so, dating back to 1998, the Port Commission, along with the Board of Supervisors, approved the Mission Bay Redevelopment Plan and a variety of interagency agreements. <clears throat> the Port Commission approval back in 1998 was required because portions of the project area are in port land. <clears throat> um, as Nate mentioned, some of those port lands within the Mission Bay area 
are open spaces. In total, there are 41 acres of open spaces either built or to be built as a part of redevelopment plan in Mission Bay. And the long-term management of those open spaces was, was agreed to through what's called an owner participation agreement, which is one of those agreements that the commission approved back in 1998. Additionally, uh, a community facilities district, CFD number five, was developed to fund and maintenance the operations of the Mission Bay open spaces to 2024. Um, today, those open spaces are on a ground lease from the port and the city to OCII. So OCII worked with Mission Bay Development Group to build them. Now OCII manages those. Um, and the, the last thing I'll just touch on on this slide is the state has mandated that uh, redevelopment dissolve itself. So uh, OCII is required to terminate their ground lease with the port and the city. Lastly, um, on this slide, the one thing that I just want to recognize is as a part of those agreements the Port Commission authorized back in 1998, we knew that these parks would be coming back to us. We just didn't think it would happen for about another 20 years, but because of the state-mandated dissolution, they're coming back to us a little bit earlier. Next slide, please. This is an overview of an outline that we're working on with OCII, and that's the Office of Community Investment and Infrastructure, the agency that took over the redevelopment agency or superseded it. The port, our recreation parks department, and public works. We're also coordinating with other agencies that have roles, but the, the four primary are OCII, the port, RPD, and public works. The MOU is gonna divide the parks up and and divide the management of the parks, uh, divide the existing resources that exist today from the, uh, from the management company that's managing the parks, identify how we distribute, distribute those CFD funds and the criteria for the distribution, make certain that we have open lines of communications between the agencies so that the parks are managed and viewed by the public as a whole, uh, make certain that utility costs are appropriately divided and then look at ways that we can collaborate with uh, RPD for things such as events and permitting, security, community outreach, are there cost efficiencies in purchasing, are there opportunities to secure additional funding resources, and what other types of mutual assistance we can work towards to collaborate to manage the parks efficiently. Next slide. So again, uh, State, uh, State Department of Finance requires dissolution. Uh, OCII had to create a project management plan that stated when they were gonna uh, terminate the lease with the port and the city. They were actually required to do it in 2020. Initially, they got an extension to 2022 and then they got a third extension to 2023. So the state's being patient but their patience is beginning to wear out. Additionally, OCII's contractor, who used to be uh, MJM and is now called Parks and Open Space Management, awesome. Um, their contract expires at the end of June and they are uh, planning to put that out to bid. So we're looking to take these parks over on July 1st of this year. And lastly, the last few times that OCII put these project out to bid for parks management and maintenance. There was actually only one entity that would do it, which was MJM. 
and now Possum. So there's some risk at uh, that organization going defunct and the parks coming back to us even earlier, but we hope that's not the case here. Next slide, please. So as we began to look at the park system, which is shown in this illustration here in Mission Bay, all the green are all the parks. The parks with like the crosshatch pattern are port parks. And you'll see that there are some parks that have split jurisdiction along Mission Creek primarily and along those Mission Bay commons, those parks that run east-west right in the middle of the redevelopment. So we've been working with RPD on trying to identify an appropriate way to split the parks and not have any park on split jurisdiction. So uh, some of the criteria we looked at were considering the design of the parks and the programming of the parks and the relationships to one another, obviously ownership, how the public would access and understand the parks, so the public patrons, the Blue Greenway and how the port manages most all of the parks on the bayfront side of the park. And then are there operations and management efficiencies for how we divide the parks? So as proposed right now, the port would take the parks along the bay. They're identified as Key 21, 22, 23, and 24. Key 21 is on the right and is actually finished and is mostly the uh, public boat launch parking lot. P-22 is under construction, and that's right across the street from the Chase Center. And P-23 and P-24 were opened up recently uh, just during COVID down along across the street from uh, Mission Rock and the SF Boat Works. RPD has agreed to take on uh, all the other parks, which makes sense. Um, and with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Nate to talk a little bit about the finances. And he, Rebecca, and I will all be available for questions at the end. Nate. Next slide, please. Thanks, David. So ultimately, the costs of managing these parks for at least uh, the fiscal 22-23, I'm sorry, the 23-24 period is roughly a million dollars. Um, because of the CFD number five, we anticipate that would be fully covered by the revenues from OCII. So this is net neutral to the port. Uh, but the bulk of the cost is, as you'd predict, uh, comes from labor. We're requesting four new positions, two laborers, two gardeners. Uh, also, you know, security, pest control, utilities, all the things that you expect that go with parks. Uh, there is some saving. The way we broke out this table is to illustrate to you that in a normal year, this we would we would estimate this is closer to 1.3 million. But because that uh, P22 park has not been delivered yet and is anticipated to come online mid-year. There are some savings associated with that, as well as the landscaping warranty that comes with a new park. So the savings get us down to about a million dollars. So for this, you know, the fiscal 23-24 period, we expect to fully cover recover our costs from OCII. But there are some financial risks I wanna go over with you. So that's the next slide, please. So this graphic comes from OCII. And what this illustrates in the blue bars is their estimated future costs for Possum, that private contractor they already have. This was their estimated cost going forward to continue, uh, continually maintain the parks. And then they compare that to the orange line, which is the amount of money that's available to pay them, right? So these costs are not the rec park port costs, but the representation still holds, right? You can see that in the early parts of the graph, there's more money than there are costs. And then the orange line kind of hits this bump. And that bump up represents 
using reserves that have been building up as CFD's been as the CFD's been around, I guess about 10, 15 years now. Um, we're, we plan on using those reserves, but at some point those reserves run out. Uh, and you can see about two thirds of the way through the bars here that the blue bars are now higher than the orange line. And there's gonna be a shortfall there. Now, ultimately when that shortfall occurs, we don't know yet, uh, you know, based once we've actually managed these parks and rec parks has managed these parks for a few years, we'll have a much more specific sense of when this is gonna occur, but there will be a shortfall. And our strategy at this point is to go to the general fund and ask them to subsidize this shortfall to maintain operations and current service levels. That's sort of the midterm risk or financial risk involved with the parks. Then there's the much larger financial issue is when the CFD expires in 2044, you know, at the very, the very end of this graph, the CFD ends, right? There's no more orange line, but the blue bars continue. And that much larger shortfall is a, is a, is a larger problem to solve. Uh, but again, our strategy is to go to the go to the general fund and ask them to help us maintain these parks. Obviously, the Mission Bay development has been a huge success for the city with lots of new property taxes and activations. Uh, and we think that there should be a, there's a strong argument for them to continue supporting these, this park system. Uh, and so, with that, that's the Mission Bay Parks component of this. I'll pass it to Becca, uh, who's going to cover the Prop J contract. Thank you, Nate. Could you please go to the next slide? So I want to speak about some specific types of improvements at Mission Rock and Pier 70. You'll see on the subsequent slides, this is a much smaller dollar amount that we're talking about than what Nate and, and David went over. Those were are really, really large improvements. These are non-standard improvements in the streets or paseos of Mission Rock and Pier 70. Next slide, please. So as background, you all might remember, or maybe not, <laughs> that when we designed many of these streets, our, our real focus was to get the right infrastructure agency to accept their infrastructure they had expertise in as much as possible. Some of the non-standard improvements, though, were discussed in some of the documents that led to these developments, the design for development, the design controls. We also did an MOU through all of through our commissions and PUC and other commissions, which stated which elements PUC and Public Works and SFMTA would accept. But we also at that time acknowledged um, non-standard improvements those agencies would not accept. And some of the pictures you'll see will show this. For example, the top picture shows this street light that's sort of this special industrial style street light that reflects the historic district. It's non-standard light. You'll also see some, some of the bollards and street lights at the bottom slide as well that are sort of non-standard improvements in streets and open spaces. We did size the CFDs, another line you heard earlier, to generate taxes, services taxes for maintenance of parks and non-standard improvements at both of these developments. There's less of a financial risk that we'll talk about through this one. Next slide, please. Thank you so much. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, our first choice in this um, endeavor to figure out who's going to maintain these locations, and by the way, this picture is that beautiful Building 15 frame at Pier 70, beautiful, it turned out exactly like it looked in renderings, but it's a non-standard improvement, and so Public Works is not able to maintain that for us. So our first choice is to get agencies to accept. For non-standard improvements, our choices are either the port maintains 
or we can have a developer affiliate maintain. We are recommending a developer affiliate. There's a lot of good reasons to go this route. It's cost effective, it's operationally effective. The master developer still has master leaseholds all surrounding this infrastructure as they're building out phase by phase. They are on site um, and they control areas around these non-standard improvements. So there's really good operational reasons to have a developer affiliate maintain these non-standard improvements um, most of which are they'll, they'll be completed and fully sort of um, requested to be accepted in the coming year or, so, year or even less. Next slide, please. So, um, as part of the uh, effort to get to get these public improvements under a contract with a private entity, we need to make sure we're analyzing how much would it cost us to maintain, how much would it cost an affiliate to maintain. Um, shown here is the Mission Rock map. On the left-hand side of the map is China Basin Park. And then you see these paseos in blue, bollards also kind of shown in blue, street lights. And then throughout other portions of the phase one streets are things like bike racks or street rooms. These are sort of the art and furnishings in the streets that are not accepted by public works. Public works, we do anticipate, will accept the streets generally, but there are certain elements they, won't, they will not accept. Um, so in looking at the cost efficiency, we think the cost efficiency is there in terms of having Mission Rock affiliate maintain. And I want to note that the Prop J contract in this case would be $0 because Mission Rock, um, the way their financing is set up, they can use their master association fees for this maintenance. And in return, we will not charge them the CFD services taxes that we would have charged them in order to pay for our own costs. That's why you see that $0 estimate at the bottom of the slide. Next slide, please. And a similar sort of slide for the Pier 70 28 acre site. This outline is showing the phase one streets that are now built, still waiting for some of those buildings to get built, but building 12 is up and rehabbed. And then in certain segments, you'll see there are pavers. There's a small segment of Louisiana Street that will not be accepted um, due to that street design, benches, bike racks similar sort of smattering of non-standard improvements that public works or other agencies aren't able to maintain on our behalf. So in this case, the Brookfield affiliate cost estimates are shown. There is some cost savings for them to do it rather than um, port staff. So we are recommending in this case as well that we um, have the budget authorization to contract with the Brookfield affiliate. This would That contract would come forward when we come forward to accept these items officially. Right now, these items are still in their master leasehold. When they come out of their master lease and become port property, then we would go through an acceptance process with you all to do that. Next slide, please. So to sum up, we're this is an informational session. We're looking to take action next time where we would approve the supplemental appropriation for the 2023-24 fiscal year, including the four positions we mentioned with regard to the Mission Bay Parks, the revenues and expenses associated with some of the items we've gone through, the two Prop J contracts. Um, and then going forward, we'd have another opportunity to speak with you about the MOU with RPD and OCII relative to Mission Bay Parks in the middle of this year. We're expecting middle to later of this year, this year we do acceptance and maintenance agreements for Mission Rock and Pier 70. And that's our presentation, happy to take questions. Thank you, David, Rebecca, and Nate. Great presentation. Uh, now let's open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? 
President Brandon, there is no public comment in the room. Thank you. Corey will provide instructions now for our remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, the telephone queue will be open for public comment on item 12A. Please dial star 3 to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star 3 to make public comment. At this time, there is no one on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. Commissioner Lee? You're on mute, Commissioner Lee. Okay. Um, I do have a question. Um, going back to the graph, and you're saying that where the orange line and then the blue lines above it, it's going to be your shortfall. And you said that you're going to go to the general fund and ask for some to help fill that gap. Well, you know, the general fund is going to be really tight the next few years. And I'm just wondering, what's what's our backup plan to that if, if the general fund is just not there or we only get half of what you're asking for? Do these, are there ways to generate income? I mean, obviously there's open parts and things, but I mean, everything's kind of relative, right? You take over, you want to maintain it. But at the same time, it's still a business in a way, right? We we need to break even. And I'm just wondering, like, even on the, on that last graph is where the difference in port takes over versus the other entity takes over, you know, once one is cheaper, is it is it even possible that it's it's split? You know, so it's less drag on the port, less drag on the other entity. And then, and then still the stuff gets paid, you know? So those are kind of the questions I have for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I can take a stab at least at the uh, the plan B for funding solutions uh, during that shortfall period. You know, I think we, we benefit at this point from being partners with Rec Park in this economic situation. Their own, you know, their plan A, B and C is to go to the general fund to ask for support as they do for all their parks maintenance. So we'll be, you know, linking arms with them in that argument. Uh, so I think we've got a better chance of success, but you're right, you know, that would be, uh, uh, I, I don't think we can put all our eggs in that particular basket. Uh, if we're not successful there, we can explore different efficiencies or revenue generation opportunities, which I'll, I'll let Becca or maybe David speak to if, if there's any that they have in mind or are even potentially possible. Uh, or otherwise, it just falls to the Harbor Fund, right? It becomes another, like many of our other parks, an amenity that is one of those sort of loss leaders. Like in any business, we drive people down to the waterfront. We might not make money on the park itself, but those people are coming down to the ferry building. They're getting on the ferry to Alcatraz. They're going to Pier 39, and it's an economic system that's a that 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 whole ecosystem generates money for the port. Uh, I, yeah, definitely, I. I'm just worried that because the parks are so remote right now, there's not enough pop-up pop around the area to, you know, help uh, get that through. So, I mean, I think we should plan ahead in case that's part of it. But sorry about that, Rebecca. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. I, I thought Nate said it so well. I did want to note that in Mission Bay Park, Bayfront Park, there is a restaurant pad that we have that we will be working on leasing out. It was 
negotiated for another revenue loss that we had in the area. So I don't want to say it's like all net new, but it is going to be sort of a focal point for us in terms of once the park is open, getting that kind of food and beverage service on that side of the water or on that side of um, Terry Francois. Okay. I wanted to make another comment, if you don't mind, Commissioner Lee, just to give context on the park situation. So we've been developing our network of parks and the Blue Greenway. And um, one of the first things that the one of the principles was that the city or other people's money paid for the capital on these really important improvements for us and for the public. And that we've been picking up operating costs until we began working on new parks with the with developers where we were able to put in special taxes and other ways in which we were going to pay for the maintenance of these parks. So it's part of our economic recovery conversation to think about how much the Harbor Fund should hold on these uh, maintenance costs for the parks network, how much we can afford and where the general fund should step in. This one with Rec and Park by our side, I think is a real opportunity for the port to receive general fund for the maintenance of public parks. Um, you know, along Mission Creek here, there's a lot of houseboats, right? Is that something that they paid the, the port, uh, I guess, space rental or they do? Correct. Yeah. They're one yeah, of our tenants. Birthing. Yes, correct. So they benefit the most because it's right there, right? Okay. Well, something more great for the future. <laughs> Just want to make sure it gets paid for. <laughs> Commissioner Gilman. Thank you so much for the report. It's exciting to see the blue greenway get, getting connected more day by day so we can walk the whole stretch of the waterfront. Commissioner Lee asked my question. I have no questions. Thank you. Thank you. Um, again, thank you so much for this report. Um, I, I don't know where to start. <laughs> so, so right now there's a, a million dollars in funding that we're going to get to take over the maintenance of this portion. That's what we anticipate our allocation would be for the first year. That's correct. And so when we look at the revenue, the the, the revenues in the current contract expenditure, they're almost $3 million. So is that, so where's the shortfall? The, the graphic represents the entire Mission Bay Park system. Mm -hmm. The, and so that revenue source needs to pay for both the rec park side of the maintenance as well as the ports. So when you combine those, that's when you get, you know, after the reserves are depleted, that's when you start seeing the shortfall occurring. Okay, so they get 66% and we get 33% or how, how is that working? Roughly, yeah, we're, we're still finalizing that and, and the part of the process is gonna be that Rec Park submits a budget to OCII at the same time we do and then we review and agree on an allocation. Uh, but right now, and that roughly, the, the 60, the one third, two thirds breakdown is a is about how it looks at this point. Uh, and that's roughly uh, equivalent to the acreage breakdown as well. So it, 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 it feels about, it feels fair and equitable. Okay. Um, and then we, Reckon Park is taking over Mission Creek and we are just doing the Bayfront? That's correct. That's, that's 
that's what we've discussed today. Okay. And so when do you plan on coming back? Do you plan on coming back after you have all most of this finalized or? Nate, do you want me to cover that? Please. So, well, I think, I think we'll have to come back for the supplemental at the next meeting for the budgeting. But on the MOU, we'd like to get back to you right now. We're shooting for May so that we can get to the Board of Supervisors in June and we'll be ready to begin maintaining in July. Um, we do have a backup plan if we can't get to an agreement uh, by May uh, and get to the Board by June. But that's right now what we're thinking is we'll bring the full MOU to the Commission in the in around may okay okay and okay president brandon if i if i might add the the timing of this feels a little maybe awkward um and now we're bringing this separately you know the the, the funding is now but the mou is later i think you know staff's preference would have had this you know we could bring this to you in a package to see mm -hmm. it all at the same time what's driving the timing of the supplemental budget is the citywide budget process right you know as an enterprise we do two-year budgets but everybody else does a, a budget every year and they need a budget submission in february and so that's why we're bringing the budget piece to you now is to conform to the citywide requirements of the budget process uh and so i'm, I'm i suspect that might be some of where your questions are is that these aren't here in front of you at the same time to consider in holistically and so when will the numbers be finalized to be able to sub submit for the budget process? We will, so the, the, the final budget will be approved once it goes to the, to the Board of Supervisors and they make the, any adjustments that they've made. The Board of Supervisor adjustments happen after the mayor, but your- right. um, I'm, I'm Just regarding this specific million dollars, as far mm -hmm. as how much we're gonna get versus how much Park and Rec is gonna get of what's available, or is this it? This is what we're going to put into the budget submission that goes to the mayor during the mayor's phase if it turns out that we can get more or there's other efficiencies we're not aware of we'll ask the mayor to allow us to make those adjustments uh, and that's a similar process to what we do during the normal larger budget cycle if there are adjustments during the mayor's phase we report to you afterwards on those adjustments uh, but but as of now this is our best estimate and that's what we move forward with okay and this is for maintenance well, or is it maintenance and improvements? Not improvements, but maintenance and operations Just, and management. So, um, you know, primarily maintenance, but there's utilities in the cost, and there's also cost for property managers for events and in programming and security. And you said that 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 most of it is the the Pier 52 boat launch. No, no. So what I okay. there, so there, there are four parks. P21, which is done in the Pier 52 boat launch, which we've actually been maintaining the parking lot portion of it all along. There is a landscape shoreline edge that's a mixed-use pathway and some landscaping. So that's mm -hmm. built, and we'll need to maintain that. And then P23 and P24 are those little uh, parcels on Terry Francois Boulevard at Mariposa Street, where you may recall the Blue Peter building used to be just south of the Chase Center, across from Mission Rock Resort. 
those two parks are done already too. Bayfront Park, the big one across from Chase, is supposed to be completed October, November, December. They think October, we're thinking more likely November-ish. And as Nate stated, because that's just getting completed in November, the contractor who does the work has to maintain all the landscaping for that project for a year during the warranty period. So we've backed off those costs, but still put in costs for uh, utilities, trash collection, um, you know, everything that comes with a park other than landscaping. Uh, and so that's, that's why this year the budget's a little bit lower than it will likely be in the next budget cycle. Mm, okay. And we, we, didn't, we didn't just divide the cost by acreage. We actually did cost estimating. We, we took the plans and worked with Tim Felton and his staff to say, how many gardeners do you need? How many laborers do you need? And he came up with these costs and then Reckon Park did the same. And this is our best estimate. This is the first year. Um, it seems to align closely with the possum management group, but I think after we do it for a year, we'll have to go back to the table and say, we need more. We didn't need as much. Ideally, the latter. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, it'll, I guess. I guess we will find out, won't we? But I, I, I think this does bring me to something that um, I think I, I would like to say for new business is that, you know, we, we we've had um, the green blue way for you know. 15, almost 15 years has been in the planning stages. And I, I, I would love an update on where we are with port property and our Blue Greenway and what projects have been completed along with, you know, the upgrades, the furnishing, the signage, everything that we had in that plan. I would love to see where we are and make sure that as we keep taking on new and new and more parks, that we're making sure that we're following through on the entire waterfront with yeah. our businesses. Wonderful. I, I look forward to reporting back to the commission on that. I think we have a lot of great news to report and we can also talk about where there's some opportunities. And now that I'm back in planning and environment and I can focus back on that, I can bring that back to the commission from the work I did before. And that would be great. I, I would love to see that update. And I'd love to hear about all the new things going on there. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you um, all so much for this presentation. It's a lot of great information. And I think it's phenomenal that we're bringing more open space to the port. But I, we also have to pay for it. And we, it it's unfortunate that we're getting it back, the cost of, of, of it back early, but it just adds to the blue greenway and the beautification of the area. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, Jenica, next item, please. Item 13 is new business. Commissioners, I've, I've recorded several new business items. Um, the first is a request for an interdivisional briefing on the lease up of the Mission Rock building on the housing building um, with MOHCD. Uh, the next is 
um, looking at insurance and safety and mitigating our risk in terms of our economic recovery program and, and for Port Wellbeing. Um, the other one, uh, third one, is how to support our nonprofits with our spaces. And that's a very interesting question. We have a lot of industrial and storage spaces on port property. We have a lot of variety of property. Uh, so we will come back on that. Um, and then the final one is to report out on our Blue Greenway. Uh, what we what we planned and envisioned for our Blue Greenway, where we are and what opportunities and challenges we see. Is there any other new business? No other new business. Thank you. <clears throat> well, if there's no other new business, then um, can I have a motion to adjourn? I so move that we adjourn the meeting at 4.15 p.m. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I second that. Thank you. Jenica, can we have a roll call vote? Yes, President Brandon. President Brandon, yes? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Yes. Commissioner Gilman? Yes. Commissioner Lee? Aye. The meeting is adjourned at 4.15 p.m. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Have a great evening. You too. Thank Bye, you. everyone. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you.